Good morning. Today's reading is Exodus 18, verses 13 through 18. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is it that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What are you doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Dee. Uh, good morning. My name is Dave. I'm a, I'm a pastor here at Redemption Tucson and uh, typically do the bulk of the preaching. If, if you're new, um, welcome. We're gl- glad you're here. Great to, great to see you. Um, also want to encourage you in, in future weeks, um, these seats up here are not reserved for the college age folks. So this is how we know there's some kind of group that's out of town on the weekend when one of these front areas is like totally empty. Um, so you can, now's your chance, take their seat. Um, it's, it's okay to do that. Um, again, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I was going to make sure that people know this, um, have a heads up. I have a speech impediment, and it'll kind of come in and out as I preach, so I uh, want to be sure to give you a, uh, a heads up on that so that you know. And um, uh, also, we're going to get into our time in Exodus 18, what we just read. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me there. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up? And we want to make sure we get one into your hands so you can follow along and um, track along with. So again, if you don't have a copy of the Bible with you, hold it up high and keep it up and we'll get you one. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Um, y esta mañana estamos en Éxodo, capítulo uh, 18. Got it. Thank you. That was the stutter that time. I don't always play that card, but sometimes it really is that. Um, but, um, and while I'm doing that, um, a, uh, or while we're, we're handing those out, you know, we're called in the Bible. If you've ever been around church or you know, you've probably heard this idea of love your neighbor as yourself. That also comes with something before that, um, love God um, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, um, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's, I feel a little bit torn because two of my close friends who are on our staff team, Stephen Collins and Joe Jewell, um, are in different places. Stephen Collins is a USC fan. His wife went there, stuff like that. We don't hiss at him or hate on him. He's been very mature this morning, so it's been good. Thank you for that. But, um, but also, um, uh, Joe Jules, a diehard Yankees fan, and they lost last night. So, um, but I want to say, for me, I felt important to say this because it's not every day that someone my height hits a towering walk-off home run to win a series. 
So that was pretty special for me. I'm sorry, man, but my son, Cooper, who's probably going to be my height, um, is uh, wears number 27, Jose Altuve, and it was a special moment. But also, again, don't want that to go overlooked, all right, that um, someone my height got the, got the upper hand over someone like Aaron Judge, 6'8", uh, whatever. Um, but, uh, but anyway, it's um, good. And also, we wanted to say, like, we, I want to encourage, as I did a couple weeks ago, um, to not just be fair weather fans, all right? We've got home, the next home game, U of A home game, is um, November 2nd, homecoming. I want to encourage you to be there, support our team, win or lose, right? These are people, we love them, and uh, cheer for them wherever we're at. So, okay, that's um, part of my discipleship role here, is to coach us through these things. Um, and, and as we do, we, we, we pray for other churches, and we just did that. We, a group that we've prayed for before and interacted with before here in town, especially um, really leading the way, leading the body of Christ, the church as a whole, in loving our neighbors, especially our international neighbors, is a group called the Tucson Refugee Ministry. Um, TRM, and um, a great ministry doing a lot of great work, and their founder and director, um, Cherie Gray, um, a dear sister, it, uh, went to be home with the Lord um, just a couple of days ago, and she's been here to our church before, and um, again, some of you might not know her, but you've definitely experienced the fruits of her ministry, and a lot of different people here, um, Tom and Sandy Wong wisely have served with that ministry for a long time, and so um, I want to pray for us now as we get into our time in God's word, and also um, uh, just, just pray for her family and pray and trust that the, um, the Lord will continue to lead his people even as he's brought her home to be with himself. And um, so let's just pray um, now as we get into God's word um, and even very fittingly look at God using all his people to carry out his work. And, and so let's thank him for a, a dear sister and her ministry and also prepare to get into uh, the scriptures together. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and um, we even say sometimes we can laugh with those who are laughing, weep at those who are weeping, that that's what your, your, your word teaches us and calls us to. And even in the last couple minutes, we've joked and laughed about something as kind of trivial as sports. Um, though we enjoy it, we acknowledge it's, it's, it's not everything. And then um, we also talk about someone, a dear sister, who, who is, um, sometimes the phrase is used, lost the battle to cancer. Um, Lord, we know that the good news of Jesus informs even the way we look at things like that. She hasn't lost the battle. Um, she has finished a race really well. Um, Lord, Hebrews um, tells us to run the race you set before us with our eyes fixed on you, Lord Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, um, who for the joy set before you, Lord, you um, finished the race. You, you now sit at the right hand of the Father, and we look to you um, and look ahead to the day where we are, are one with you, where we are fully in your presence. Um, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, um, now we see in as, as in a mirror dimly, but then we shall um, know as we're fully known. Then we shall see face to face. And Lord, we rejoice that uh, someone, again, even those who don't know her, um, may, maybe others who they do know come to mind. God, that when you call someone to be with you, it is sad. We do weep. And, and we do recognize that, 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 that things are not the way they should be, that death is an enemy to life. 
And yet, because of the good news of Jesus, through death gives us hope, uh, gives us confidence that we can have life, eternal life through faith in him. And so thank you that Cherie is with you. Thank you for the ministry that she is, has carried on to bless, even sacrificially in many ways, to extend open arms, even at the airport sometimes with people, refugees coming here, um, displaced people, that she's really um, reflected your, your kindness and your goodness and, and your, your pursuing love. So, Lord, um, we pray that we will continue to grow as a church, Lord, to uh, love you and to love our neighbor as ourselves, just as um, our sister, Cherie Gray, has done. So, Lord, now as we get into your word, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, our ears would be opened, our hearts would be softened, Lord, that we would respond as you would have us respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so... Um, Exodus 18, if you've looked ahead or you've followed along or you've read through Exodus before, maybe like me, you've been kind of perplexed at why it's here. All right, it seems like I wasn't out in Woodstock. For some of you that don't know what Woodstock was, is this famous um, big music concert with all kinds of other activities going on. I won't talk about all those, but it's one of the most iconic music scenes ever. It kind of set the stage for a lot of these things now that, you know, music festivals and things like that is a big deal. Well, Exodus 18 feels a little bit like whatever band played between like Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. It's like, who was it? The who? Who? I don't know. Okay, the who's a big deal. A couple of you guys get that. Dad joke. Um, but seriously, there were bands there and people that like, why, who was that? I don't know. Let's skip right over that. Because what in this Exodus narrative, this epic narrative that we've been following along through where God is making himself known in a world where he's been so greatly and tragically forgotten, we just learned about, right, wandering in the wilderness. Before that was all the plagues, was God putting the smackdown on Pharaoh, was flexing his muscles, showing how powerful he is, that there are no other gods like him, and all these beautiful things. And then they're wandering in the desert, God's people. And we heard last week, he provides, right, manna. Again, whether you're, you've ever read the Bible or not, you've probably heard the word manna and associated it in that way. It's just kind of a, it's become part of our, our culture. And then you also know the Ten Commandments, right? Like a lot of people know those and know, oh yeah, I know the Ten Commandments. I know most of them, you know, like don't murder. I've never killed anyone, so I'm a good person. God probably accepts me because I've never killed anyone, right? Good job. Props to you. Okay, that's the, um, no, that's not, that's not the entrance requirements, by the way. Um, and we'll learn more about that next week as, as we get into that, as, as God is preparing his people well, before that, though, we're in our place right now that seems like, again, a little bit like a, a kind of a, what are you doing here? Like, one of these is not like the other, right? Why is 18 in here that talks about, um, it brings back Jethro. Why did he come back into the picture? Like, he hasn't been around for chapters. And why is Moses sitting there? And this whole deal. Well, what, what this is, is it's, a, it's, it's actually a transition point where God who has taken his people through this place, like the whole first 17 chapters is, is as though God is saying, listen, you're my children. I'm your father. 
All right, God has said, I will be your God and you will be my people. He's establishing this relationship. And then next week and there on out, it's beginning to see, and this is what it looks like to be my children. And again, Stephen will get into that. I'm excited for that. Is it really the Ten Commandments, again, is, is, is a bigger picture of what it looks like to live as God's children. He said, I'm your father, you're my children, now here's how you live like it. So chapter 18 begins to set the stage for that, where the focus goes from one guy and and all this, his own relationship with God, and he goes and tells everyone else what to do, that God begins to now broaden the reality of what it means to be the people of God. All right, not just hearing all the instructions from one person, but what does it mean to function together, to live as God's people? And so that's where we get into this morning. That's to kind of set the stage that something really significant is happening, that even next week, all we hear about how to live as God's people is this week, he's really establishing, you're my people, collective, communal. Okay, so, so live like it as you live together in community. And so pick up with me now in Exodus 18, verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses's father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And then basically verses 2 through like 6 or 7 kind of explains why Jethro had to hear about this. Because earlier what happened was Jethro went back to where he was from, from Midian, and that's where Moses met him. And um, he, he, he had fled, if you remember, way back after he, Moses killed um, someone. He killed an Egyptian officer who was, who was abusing and one of his people, one of the Israelites, and then he fled, um, and he was there, and that's where he found a wife, and then uh, that's where God revealed himself to him, right, the burning bush, and he called him back and all this stuff. So Jethro's from there. Jethro's um, what would be understood or referred to as even a pagan priest, right? He's not a part of God's people, and so when the stuff started hitting the fan, right, if you um, are with me, when all that happened, Moses sent his whole family to go back to be with, um, with his folks father-in-law with his family. And so now Jethro, which by the way, is, was that the, one of the guy's name in the Beverly Hillbillies? Yes. I can't get that out of my head. I'm like West Virginia. What? No, like that was, this is a originally a Middle Eastern, you know, area. And so Jethro is not West Virginia, but I can't get that out of my head. So I just want to even give us a little, right. If we, um, we could all sing that song, probably some of us old enough to remember that. Um, now I've lost some of you. You're gone. You're thinking about oil and up from the ground came a bubbling crude and all this stuff. So anyway, okay, now that that's out of the way, right, get back to the Bible. So, so Jethro comes running back and there's a warmth here. He comes and or comes running to M- M- Moses and he's heard all these, all these things, right? In, in, in verse seven, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. So there's warmth. There's a closeness here. And they asked each other of their own welfare, right? How you doing? Well, how you doing? I'm good. You know, and so they talk and they catch up and they go in and they go to the tent. That's a place of, again, community of warmth. They, that's our ver- uh, coffee shop, right? Or they sit by the fire, they talk, they catch up. They, they, and then this is what happens in verse 8. Moses told his father-in-law 
all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. So Jethro had heard, but Moses goes and he fills in all the gaps for him and he tells him all these things. He's recounting, right? We've used this little term before. It's important, share God's stories, right? Like re- remember the mighty works of God. We, we've been talking about these last few weeks. It's important. And so Moses is putting that into practice. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, you know, whatever. No, like dig in a little more. This is all that's happened, all right? A sea was just parted. God um, did all these plagues. He, he freed his people. We, we are a redeemed people set free from slavery, all this stuff. So he shared the, these things with his father-in-law. And then verse 9. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Okay, he's like, I'm really happy for you. And now this is significant because remember, Jethro, yes, his daughter married Moses, but he's not counted initially as one of God's people. And yet he hears the mighty works of God and he rejoices. And then he responds in verse 10. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 11. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. So let me just pause there for a moment because some stuff's going on that I kind of want to get out of the way for a minute before so we can focus on the more important thing that's happening here. Some of us will ask this question or we'll even assume, and if you read, if you're the commentary type and you kind of dig into the history and what's going on, there's a bunch of people disagree and talk about, well, did Jethro become, the word would be used like a believer, right? Did he become one of God's people? Did, did, is, is he all of a sudden now um, like worship, a worshiper of God and God alone, which God has laid out? That's what it means to be one of his people. It's not just to think he's a part of the greater, you know, pantheon of gods. Like, yeah, I really love, man, Jesus is cool. He's a great example, right? Follow him. What would Jesus do? Um, I don't know that he's exclusive, you know, that he's, I don't know that he's the only way back to God, but he's one of many. Like, it's very similar to our day. And so we look at Jethro, and the short answer is this. We don't know if he became a genuine believer, worshiper, follower of Yahweh, God Most High, or not. Because he says, right, he, he says something. He says, um, there is no other God. Like, he is greater than all the other gods, right? That's significant. Um, but, but he still, we don't know if he means, well, he's the best among many. He's one of many, and he's like, he's like Zeus, right? But there's all these others that are also gods. And if that's the case, that's, as we'll learn even next week, that's not what it means to be a worshiper of God most high. It means that there are no other gods in his midst, right? When that, that first command, right, you shall have no other gods before me, that's like no other gods in my presence, Okay, again, that's significant for us today. If you're here today, and this is growingly popular, kind of a pluralistic perspective of 
yeah, again, Jesus is cool. As long as he doesn't indict me on things, as long as he doesn't speak into my kind of my social punk politics or my finances or whatever else it might be, as long as he kind of stays put where I'm comfortable with him, he's great. I'm cool. I'm down with Jesus, right? If you've ever seen Meet the Parents, it's coming right. Oh, JC, I love him. You know, like he's a good example and, you know, things like that. But no, that's not, sorry, don't go home and watch Meet the Parents or the Everly Hillbillies. Focus on the main part of the conversation. That's actually, I didn't mean to segue this way, but that's the point here. Again, we get so caught up in focusing on the wrong stuff. Oh, was Jethro a believer? Was he not? Even in our own day of evangelism, we often get caught up in this. Well, I'm going to inspect everyone else's fruit. I'm going to look at who's, I'm going to discern who's a true Christian and who's not and things like that. But, but what we hear, what we see here is a couple of things that are the author meant to rise to the surface above everything else that we would focus on the main thing, right? Let the main thing be the main thing. Again, in short, is he really a believer? We don't know. Is he a true worshiper? We don't know. What do we know? Well, we know that Moses was faithful to recount the things of God that he had seen and experienced, right? To be a witness, to give a a testimony. I have seen God do these things. I've experienced God's power and his goodness and his kindness. It's, it's changed my life. Let me share that with you. And then we'll get to in a minute, right? Jethro responds, whether it was fully accurate or, or not, we don't, we don't know that 100%, but we know that, that the author wanted us to focus on the fact that he did say some things and that those were good and true and important things. And again, I'll get to that in a moment, but I want us to even understand the, the, the important piece here is Moses was, was faithful, right? There's this, um, some of you guys know there's a, a, a main ministry called Crew, and the definition of successful evangelism in Crew is take the initiative to share the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God, right? And different groups have different great phrases, and I'll, I'll steal from everywhere, right? Pull from it. Well, that's, that's Crew's, and that's, I think, similarly, we see that on display here. Moses takes the initiative I believe by, directed by God the Holy Spirit, he takes the uh, an initiative to share the gospel, the good news of the works and, and, and character of God and leave the results to him. And so that's all I want to say about that. But again, some of us just get stuck there and, and focus on those things. What is happening though, and we would miss it, is Jethro here, a non-Israelite, gives a true account of God. He's answering a question that earlier another non-Israelite, non-Hebrew, was asked a question. Way back in chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh, who was presented with God, okay, he was presented with the things of God, he sat back arrogantly and said, who is God that I should listen to him? I don't know him, so I'm not going to let the people go. In fact, I'm going to pile on their burden. Well, in this case, someone also not, usually, not accounted or considered among the people of God, he answers Pharaoh's question. Pharaoh says, well, who is God? Right? And then now, chapters later, we have someone else, not Moses, not Aaron, though God revealed himself, though God made himself known through all these different ways. We have here now Jethro, right? This this, 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 this pagan priest from West Virginia, no, this Midianite pagan priest, it gives a true account. 
right? He says, that, he says, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And then he offered up a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And something else is, is we're seeing time and time again, God is true to his word. All right, God had said over and over again, that they may know that I alone am God. He said that constantly. He said, I'm doing this through you so that all the Egyptians can know. I'm doing this so all my people can know. I'm doing this so everyone, so my, my wor- who I am, my character will be on display throughout the world. Way back in Genesis, God gave that command, that, that, that commissioning to his people. And then in Genesis chapter 12, he told Abraham, he said, listen, you, through you, my name is going to be raised up and is going to be a blessing to the entire world. Everyone is going to be blessed by, 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 by a name that I'm going to raise up through you. My works, my ways are going to be greater than, than everything. And we see God fulfilling his promises here. And then way down in, in, in verse 27, eventually Jethro goes home. And that's, again, another part of the question. We don't know. We don't know if he's a true part of God's people. We never hear it said that he was circumcised, which to be a part of God's people, that was it. You were circumcised. You were identified in that covenant relationship with God. And also he left, right? He peaced out. He didn't stay with them and go through the whole journey with them. He went back to his place with his people. So, we, so in verse 27 we see that he goes back. But before he does, God uses Jethro even more. He uses this unlikely person, this unlikely candidate to continue to shape his people. All right? And so pick up with me now down in, uh, down in verse, um, verse 13, as we just read, right? The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? What what are you doing? Why is this? This is kind of a weird scene right now. Like, why are you sitting here and everyone else is standing around you all day long? long, right? And then Moses answers him, verse 15, Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. Essentially, the people have a need and I, and I care about them, right? Moses is well intended here. He has a, a, a good motive. He has good sentiments he wants, to, he wants to serve. He wants to care. And he is. But hear me, because we live in such an emotionally driven kind of context right now that my principles, my ideas, just what feels good drives what I do. Um, sometimes that's not enough. All right, God's word also calls us to wisdom, all right, to, to care, to be able to discern, is that something I should enter into, I should give myself to, I should sacrifice and lay myself down to? We're all called to lay down our lives, to sacrifice, to, to Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. It's not a cushy, easy, cruise control kind of life, you know. It's, there involves dying to self and giving of self for others. But what feels good, what, what I think and feel I should do isn't always our answer. In fact, look at what... Jethro says here in, um, in verse, in verse uh, 17, 
Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. All right, he calls him out. He's close enough. They have a relationship where he sees, what are you doing? He doesn't say, oh, it's all bad. Yeah, you're well-intended. Your sentiments are good. They're in the right place. But what you're doing is not good. It's unwise. It's dangerous. All right, he, he goes on, right? And he, and, and he says, um, because you're certainly, you will wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cares to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens." All right, I love Jethro's. All right, we have some Jethro's among us. Jethro's are not the hillbilly type, right? Get on from it. We're not, I'm not talking about that. But people that see problems, that have minds and gifts that work in such a way that can't even say, Moses, you have a good heart, but you're lacking discernment, right? You're lacking wisdom. And I'll just be totally candid. A lot of times, church planters are good up to a certain point, and then whether or not they recognize their own deficiencies and shortcomings, they, I've once heard it said that a lot of times people in a congregation feel like they're in the trunk of a drunk driver if the church planner continues to just be steering and calling all the shots and going and like, you know, you're just like, man, we're going this way, we're going that way. And because there's a level, there are certain gifts. And I'm speaking to myself, by the way, if you didn't know this, right? We just celebrated five years as a church plant. And early on, we needed to be flexible, right? We needed to juke right, move left, like just do things that were kind of on the fly and, and be okay stepping into chaos. But as we learn over time, sometimes people that are really comfortable in chaos are not really comfortable outside of chaos. And sometimes we just create our own chaos and are like Tasmanian devil just kind of spinning around and everyone's like, what are we doing right now? And so I think similarly here, Jethro's are people that stop and have more administrative gifting, see the bigger picture and see, okay, this is a good thing we've had going on here, but some things need to change or else you're going to drive this thing right into a wall. All right, you're going to wear out. The people are going to wear out. Just they come to mind, even as I look around here, we've got some, some people again that I'm so thankful for over the years that like Corey Mitchell, Corey Byron, who is now leading our, our finances, things like that. Annie Prentice, who did that for a while, and we joked on her main job with overseeing our finances, that part of it was keeping me, me out of jail, that I would be well-intended, and the IRS is like, I don't care how much you care, you broke the law, all right? Like, I don't care if your heart is, could be however big, um, you have to do it a certain way. And so, right, there are so many gifted people here, Rachel um, Hartke, David Wagner, just these people that come to mind. Stephen Collins on our, on, our, on our team, who from day one has also similarly been all about helping put systems in place that, again, lead to God's glory and the blessing of others. But no matter how great the sentiments are without the processes and systems, it can all fall apart. And so Jethro speaks into that. Now, let me just shape a little bit of this again for us, because we need to, sometimes we read this and we look through the lens of like, okay, um, Jethro was get, or M Moses was getting worn out. Poor Moses, he's important. He's the top dog. He's the leader. We need to raise up a bunch of minions for him, right? Who will do all this 
petty work so he can do the real stuff, the important stuff. Right? Similarly, in the church today, in the New Testament, where we look at places that talk about, um, like in 1 Peter, the, the priesthood of all believers, or we look at the body of Christ, right? what I think in some ways this indicts us today, and I, I can shoot some holes in our perspective of elevating things like preaching, okay? that sometimes for good and for bad, but, and even sometimes for celebration and under celebration, we think, well, I'm not, I haven't really arrived. I'm not really serving God. I'm not really on the varsity team until I'm, I'm there, you know, until like once I'm the quarterback, right? Once I'm doing this, um, then I've really arrived. And I aspire to ministry, but once I've got a platform and a microphone and a people to talk to and to share all my wisdom with, I've really arrived. And on the flip side, we have this idea that anything else is kind of either, either, either steps along the way to get kind of climb the ladder or things like that. And honestly, we've, this is just our church culture we're in, that sometimes even like youth ministry, I've talked about this a lot with Jake Willem, who leads our youth, that I, I'm so glad and I love, and I think he loves too, when People are like, wow, you don't really, um, I didn't really have you pegged for a youth minister because what people think is like really young, really immature, um, you know, does crazy gross skits and things like that. And, 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 and one day will mature out of that role and then you can be in some of these higher up places. But for kind of, this is a good place to kind of get started, to try your hand or children's ministry or whatever else it is, um, or serving, leading lead team, all these different things we just treat as like, well, those are kind of tangential. And I think it's because our grid of, our, our grid of success and of what we prioritize and value is so broken and so distorted. All right? That here we see this picture of, no, Moses, it's not all about you and how do we make life easier for you. It's about God is forming a people and he wants to reflect himself and his glory and make himself known to the nations and you have so many shortcomings that you're going to wear out and you're going to fail. All right? You need to be a part of the bigger community of God's people, right? And as he raises up here, right, other numbers, and he says some over thousands and hundreds and, and fifties, and again, there are, there's different capacity, there's different stage of life, there's different giftings. I don't think he's saying here, those who are thousands, that's like big deal, but just tens, whatever. All right, if you're, hear me now, just a community leader, just a redemption community leader, or just a mentor, for the rest of your life? Or if I at some point hit a point where I'm like, you know what, my gifts would actually be better served to kind of step back and serve a smaller community or maybe focus in. Is, and you see this healthily done sometimes in people that are in ministry. You see on one extreme, sometimes people holding on for dead, for, for like dear life. Like you will pry this church from my cold dead fingers and, and, and I will not step down because my whole, I've built this whole thing and I've worked myself up, but, and that's so broken. But on the flip side, you see really healthy examples where as people mature and get older and even get more influence and more power sometimes, and I think most healthily, it looks like stepping back. It looks like raising up other leaders in, 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 in this, this ivory tower, this kind of house of cards that has been built. It looks like now actually unbuilding it and having a, a longer lasting legacy and ministry that comes through pouring into others and not through like staying right in the celebrated positions. 
And that's kind of what we have going on here. I think this is the same picture that we see in the New Testament. Everything I just said, hopefully you can apply to today, all right, to, to how, we're, how we're establishing church structures and eldership and deacons and ministers and mentors and redemption community leaders and, and team leaders and different things. There are so many examples that come to mind that as I'm preparing for this, I will, will want to share. I'd love to share all of them, but I can't. One that just pops into mind, because I was actually this morning, I was talking to Matthew Paulson. He was out on this head-up team, and I was thinking back to the day when I used to be the one with someone else because I wasn't strong enough or tall enough or whatever. If you want to make fun of tall, I'll go back to Jose Altuve if you need me to, right? Um, but anyway, I, you know, to hang up the big signs and stuff. And so Matthew, by himself, I think one-handed actually, was hanging up the sign. And we were just talking about, man, I remember being a part of the setup team and doing all those things in the early days. And then similarly, I was thinking about his parents, um, Alan and Tracy Paulson, who bring donuts and, and, and drinks and different things to serve our community and help us spend time together. And they bring donuts for the volunteers. And I remember the day when I was the one that swung by Dunkin' Donuts on university there and got the donut holes and, and came and just dropped them off and was normally late and did it way less effectively and efficiently than they do. And, um, and things like that. And, and now hear me, okay, because this is what I want us to, to understand with this, is God's forming his people. It's not because our church got so big and I got so important that we needed to now hand off the menial tasks. Okay, it's because as God's people grow and as he forms, he, he's more clearly reflected as people more rightly step into different positions. Again, it's not, it says later here, um, he says, listen, it will be better for you and everyone else. He says, everyone will go home in peace. Okay, he, he, he talks about, he says, so it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. Not just they'll bear the burden so it's easier for you, but it's good for others to bear the burden. All right, it's good for them. It's good for, for everybody. It's better this way. I'll just, even as I'm thinking about it, I'm talking about the punk Paulsons, not to like call you out, but maybe they've, they've been serving faithfully in this way and they do a lot of other things too. They, um, Tracy leads the, the healing journey. They lead a redemption community. They do a bunch of stuff. Maybe there's time for others now to, to step up and say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the baton and lead in that way. Okay, because hear me, as, as, as we close here, what uh, attention I'm really aware of in preaching this sermon is what sadly so often happens is the wrong people hear the wrong things. All right, the, I think in this room, what do we need to do right now? That's a question I want to put before you. What do you, how do you respond? Where does this encourage and or implicate you? What often happens is some of us get, we, we're already pouring ourselves out, giving of ourselves, doing everything and then we hear this and we just pile on. Oh, I think I have a little sliver on my plate that might not, you know, might, I could move the peas over a little bit and do a little. Oh, I could go get the donuts now. And it's like, no, what are you talking about? You'd be horrible at it. And you, you don't do it. Like, you don't have enough space. In fact, we're gonna, we should clear this stuff off your plate so you can do the things that are there. Do it better. All right? And, and, and then others... Are, 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 are hear this and hear, yeah, you're right. I probably should rest in Sabbath more. And it's like, probably not. Like, it's actually really, you're, it's a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. 
Like, man, a world that is built, or if your whole schedule centers around you and your video games and your sports and your social media time and whatever else, and like, that's actually not the good life that, 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 that God has called you into, all right? He wants to bless you by using you to invest in others, to bless others. All right, what do you need to hear? I don't know. All right, I'll, I'll take the easy route. I don't know. Everyone in here, as I prayed at the beginning, God, give us ears to hear, soft hearts. Respond as you would lead us. Be in community, too. Okay, set yourself up. Be vulnerable to others who would say, what you're, you should probably take something on. Maybe that's a spouse. That can be, or a roommate. That can be really uncomfortable. I've noticed you got a lot of couch time. You probably have some space, right? Like, what does it look like to be humble enough to receive that? Again, I could give you so many stories in the life of our church where, thankfully, we have a community that's like that, where the elders are not a bunch of yes men, where there's often things I say, and they're like, no, no, trumped, dumb, bad idea. And thankfully, I tr- and there, we trust each other, and we know our different giftings, and there's a relationship there of, of, of serving together. All right, and then for some, it's, yeah, maybe I should step back. All right, and, and, and again, I want us to get this picture here because what can happen in our culture, in our community, is this idea of like mutually dysfunctional codependency, all right, where the people that are doing a ton love it, tend to struggle with control, like Messiah complex, God complex, everybody needs me, I need to be needed, I want you to want me, I want to be in control, I want to do all these things, and then sometimes other people are like, I love, I'm a youngest child, which I am, I, can, I love to just have other people do stuff for me, I'll kick back, I'll show up to Thanksgiving dinner and not bring anything, even though I'm in my mid-40s, and I'll just, you know, whatever, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm cool with life that way, all right, and, and, and again, what does it look like instead to recognize for those that have control issues and Messiah complex to step back and recognize, man, Jesus already died for his church. I don't have to. All right. In fact, I'm a really bad Messiah. All right. And then for others to recognize, oh, Jesus gave of himself so I can give of myself. Like that's a good life. I'm, there's a lie in the, in the narrative around me that just says life should be easy and cush and all about me. And, and the gospel, the good news of Jesus, frees me up to actually invest in others. Okay, M- Moses, um, a couple things happen here. One is, if you notice, um, it says there at the very, the very end, it says that Moses listened to his father-in-law. That's a miracle, all right? <laughs> Plagues, parted sea, but... A, a guy listening to his father-in-law, like, that's unheard of. God, you've outdone yourself this time. Like, man, um, no, I have a great relationship with my father-in-law. And it's, but it, I think the bigger thing, though, that I, I talked about earlier that it does implicate us is this, this, this sense of um, being confident enough, secure enough in who God is that, that you can receive instruction, you can receive critique, you can be called out. And not sit there and wallow in shame. Now, how you call someone out is important, right? You don't just re- exhort, rebuke, get in a headlock, whatever. It's right. No, there's a sense though. If what you're doing is not good, I care about you. You're going to get worn out. I care about the people. They're going to get worn out. All right. People are probably not getting cared for as adequately as they could. All right. And, and, and so, good leadership listens, listens to advice, understands. I don't know everything. I, I have room to grow. And then as we said, 
in verse 27, ultimately this part ends with Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went to his own country. But as we saw earlier, he responded. He saw God working and he responded. Moses responds as a leader with humility. Jethro responds, at least initially, as a pagan, non-believing priest who saw God and responded with his words and in some form with the sacrifice. And that's what we do every week. We hear and see the good news of God who's making himself known, and then we respond. Okay, so let's respond in worship. And just to set the, I don't know if the worship team will say this, I'm watching the thermometer over here. I'm with you. It's actually climbing. So I think our air stopped. Um, so with that, let's just, if we're all ready, sweaty, let's keep it going. All right, let's respond. Respond in exuberant worship and joy. But again, we have a good God. There are no gods like him. He's greater than all others. He's made himself known. He set his people free. He cares about us. He's forming us as a community. All right, so let's pray and respond together. Heavenly Father, we do love you. We need you. We recognize our own shortcomings and brokenness. As I said earlier, I don't know where everyone needs to respond. Lord, I'm, I'm sure there are some here who are overburdened. I pray that you would r remove that. Lord Jesus, you say to come to you. Your, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Lord, you, you care about us. You also care about us enough to call us into service, to call us into death, to call us sometimes out of comfort. So Lord, I pray that again, you would show us where you want to implicate us, where you want to call us out, where you want to call us into action, into the blessing of service. And Lord, for others, where you want to call us into rest, into surrender, into recognizing and proclaiming you are God and I am not. You are the Father, I am your child. So, Lord, wherever we need to be led, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.